As the NFL season gets closer to its conclusion, certain doors are closing and others are revealing tiny cracks. While some patterns are visible in this Wild West clash, no one has yet to claim the division in the AFC. The Packers won the NFC North while the Buccaneers were denied in the South due to their persistent inability to cope with the Saints. Week 16 begins on Thursday night football with the 49ers traveling to Nashville to take on the Titans who lead the AFC South division. We'll have two games on Christmas Day. La Ball Field will host a football classic between the Browns and the Packers in the afternoon game. And as we reach Christmas Eve, the Colts go to Glendale to take on the Cardinals. As Libnow may see the Colts fall out of wildcard contention, while once mighty Cardinals are looking obviously weak, following this week 15 defeat to the Lions. The majority of the regular season games will be played on Boxing Day Sunday, with a few significant matchups to keep an eye on. The Buccaneers have the chance to secure the postseason place in the NFC, and the Chiefs can achieve the same in the AFC. Both teams have tough opponents in the Panthers and Steelers, so expect some fireworks. As for now, our football experts are here to preview Week 16 of the regular season, so stay tuned. NFL Week 16 on the horizon, and guys, Week 15 still not in the books. We do have a couple bets coming up for a special edition of Tuesday Night Football. Before we get there, Chris, three-plus weeks to go in the regular season, and you've already cashed in a big contest. Looks like pretty soon we might see another big check behind you when we're doing these shows. Well, I don't get a big check uh, for it, but, uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to... Uh, to uh, uh, finish uh, the last man standing NFL finally. I'd been in the top 20 four out of the last five years and uh, uh, ended up splitting it with one other uh, person, uh, which was nice. So uh, we split $150,000 and I had a partner myself. So it's a nice payday because I'm not doing very well in the, uh, the Circa this year or the Super Contest. And uh, more importantly, I had a really good week betting. So uh, that helped out. Yeah, what's it like when you uh, pick up that kind of payment at a casino trying to get safely back to your car and then getting those funds home without any issues? Well, other than getting stuck in an elevator along the way for 20 minutes, uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no, it was funny because uh, I was with some people and uh, they were trying to figure out where I was going to put the money, but I, I always wear cargo pants and they were shocked. Uh, I, there was places to put it, so <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> With the, the big cargo hey, pants. Old people, like like, old people like me dress <laughs> in practical methodology. Yeah, all right. Well, it was a, a total wine and more gift card for Christmas this year, but uh, maybe for another special occasion, I'll, I'll pin it uh, in my mind. The cargo pants, uh, an option for you and those big payouts at the casinos around town. Um, but as you touched on, a good week 15 as well, not just for the purposes of season-long contests, but when we look at our season-long record to date, I will go ahead and paraphrase the great Harry Doyle from Major League here. In case you haven't noticed, and judging by the attendance, you haven't, Chris and I have managed to win a few here and there and are threatening to climb out of the cellar. Of course, Scott continuing to stay above water in his own right, and we will look to build on that as we take our early look at Week 16 as well as the couple final games on the Week 15 board. Before we get there, wanted to thank everybody for joining us on YouTube today. Please take a quick moment to give us a thumbs up, subscribe, jump in that chat. Let us know if you have any questions. 
as well as what you think as we take our early look at week 16 and our final look at week 15. Guys, it's kind of weird doing this show on a Tuesday with a couple of games just about to kick off. And let's speak briefly about the Seahawks-Rams games kicking off soon. Chris, you're in play um, in a teaser in that one, I believe. So what are your thoughts when Seattle takes on the Rams at SoFi Stadium? Yeah, I like the fact that I I wish the NFL was like this uh, every week because I'm able to uh, use the same betting strategies that I use in MMA, which is, you know, there's certain events or certain prices or certain lines that you just don't want, but you want them under certain circumstances. And you can throw them into other bets and then they become, instead of married to each other, they become independent bets along the way, which is basically what I call multi-purpose teasers or parlays. So I did that with Minnesota on the show. I gave it out minus six, but I, I, I followed it up and I didn't want to have to lay six and a half. So I, I used Minnesota pick either in parlays or teasers into games coming up. So, uh, and that's similarly what I want to do, uh, with the Rams game, uh, I think the Rams are, uh, they do, they still have their uh, injury issues. Uh, they're missing a couple for, from COVID tonight, but they're still in good shape. And Seattle's going to be missing Lockhart. Uh, the Rams seem to be hitting on all cylinders. And, and Seattle really is relatively hopeless anyway. They, they've won a couple games in a row. But I, all I want is the Rams to win this game. So uh, I, I had the Rams in a uh, 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 teaser. Is that correct? With... Green Bay. Looking, yes, We're looking that way, that yeah. yeah. Yes, and I am with you there, also with the Rams taken down to a minus one on a teaser. For me, it's a small play, adding to some of my Packers exposure from a teaser with the Eagles that I placed just this morning, and then quickly that line went a little haywire. And the reason I still see some value in this teaser play is that if you're looking at the Rams and Packers on a money line parlay right now, most books will pay out uh, about minus 140. So for the teaser, just laying the one, if you can find that for minus 120 or less, I think that's simply better value from a number standpoint. And Scott, what are you looking for in the Seahawks-Rams matchup? Yeah, no, no play for me here, Matt. I, I I have a little bit of value on Seattle, uh, but I'm not playing it. Um, as Chris said, they're you know missing some people uh, both on defense and offense, as are the Rams here. But um, I'm just going to sit back and watch. I'm actually in some fantasy football playoffs and I'm basically done in and uh, my competitor has players in both these games tonight. So uh, for the Rams game, it'll just be watching more so from a fantasy football standpoint. Sounds a little bit like the way a lot of pro bettors describe the Super Bowl with prop bets, maybe looking for some boring games for the purposes of uh, <laughs> right. advancing in fantasy. Yeah, I, I know uh, the saying goes, nobody cares about your fantasy team, but I feel you there. I've got an opponent with DK Metcalf, so I'll just hope that the Rams can keep him in check hoping for a good showing from Jalen Ramsey and a Rams outright win. Of course, the other game we've got going on simultaneously this evening, Washington taking on Philadelphia, a consensus play for the three of us. Scott, why don't you kick it off with your look at a side in this one? Yeah, I'm looking to play Washington here, uh, plus 10, which is the number at BetUS. Uh, I did uh, also play under 42 earlier this morning before I started going under. I would play under 41 and a half or more. Uh, for Washington here, you know, one of the big questions uh, with this COVID outbreak they had was they were decimated on the defensive line. They basically have everyone back on the defensive line now. Still missing Kendall Fuller in the secondary. They are still down to their fifth center, I think, uh, uh, on the offensive line. Uh, also missing someone else, uh, the right guard, Sheriff 
uh, is also missing. And of course, no quarterback here. Uh, Garrett Gilbert's going to start. Heineke and uh, Kyle Allen, I believe, are out, which kind of intrigued me to the to the under for sure. Um, I've got the number pegged at about 37. So still some value even at 40, but I prefer 41 and a half uh, to really make an official play. I'll just lean to the under. But I like Washington getting the 10, even quite getting the 9. I've got this number at about 7.5. Philly, at the end of the day, is still just an average team. And we know laying a lot of points in the NFL with average teams against other average teams historically does not work out well. The defensive line is a key thing for me here. Uh, So I'll grab the points also with Washington in this game. Yeah, and when it comes to this game for me, I think at plus 10, we're seeing an overreaction that we've seen in quite a few games in recent weeks when it comes to injury and COVID news. I feel like if you're not first to market betting on information, it has consistently shown value to just fade this team right around post. So if you can still get access to Washington plus 10, I certainly endorse that. I do know, as you touched on, Scott, this line's been kind of moving all over the place. Even as we do this now, uh, it's still a bit of a moving target. So I'd say if it touches eight and a half, I do still like the Eagles in a teaser, but at plus 10, just as a straight up side, certainly on board with Washington. And Chris, you're rounding it out, making it a unanimous play for us on Washington plus the 10. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, first, I want to comment that if you, you see me looking around, you're at the command center and all the injury news scrolls across. So when, when I start to see it move, that's what I'm looking at. I'm not distracted or disinterested, so I'm very interested. But um, to echo what you guys said, uh, it, it perfect example was Baltimore this weekend. That was an additional play that I added uh, in my bets over the weekend. The numbers just get out of hand on some of these games. Now, it's not every game, but it, more times than not, there's going to be an overreaction. You see that oftentimes in NBA play also where uh, you're just getting, people are just overreacting. You know, by the time the average person learns of the news, the line's already moved and corrected because people that have their numbers and their databases are going to move it all the way to a number that has no value. And then the public finds out about it and starts to move it even more. And now all of a sudden you get value the other way. So keep an eye on that. Uh, the, the, I'm on the Washington also. Um, I, I played them plus seven earlier and it went down to four and a half briefly. And uh, when it started climbing, it looked like we weren't going to get the quarterback uh, support that we needed. Uh, people were asking me, well, what do we do? What do we do? Do we get off the game? And I'm like, no. You know what? There's these teams are average, like Scott said. Uh, I went through and I tried to differentiate these teams, and they're so married in where they rank, how they've been doing the last five weeks, how they rank for the whole season. How, how can you have over, be getting over a touchdown in this game? You just you blindly bet these games, and you're going to win more times than you than you don't in this situation, especially by the divisional rivalry. Yeah, I think that's a fitting way to wrap up our final look at week 15 before a couple of those last games kick off. And let's turn the page, guys, to week 16. Chris, the cornerstone of these Tuesday shows, of course, the line movement forecast. What do you got for us starting with Thursday night, San Francisco taking on Tennessee? I think we've probably seen this the peak on San Francisco, which it was touching four for a while. And I, and I think it's going to... Uh, sit there and maybe actually uh, inch down, um, but it's certainly not going to soar up. Uh, I think it saw its resistance at four. 
Uh, there's a lot of COVID news in Green Bay, and that line has been bouncing around seven, seven and a half. And that's just going to have to depend on uh, on what really happens with you know people getting back in because that line looks about right where it is. So it, 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 unless there's major news, it should be right in that area. Uh, Arizona has been seeing one-way action, which is on Indianapolis so far. And at some point, it's going to meet some resistance. It's even went to one the other way uh, in some places. And at some point, uh, it's going to come back the other way. So, uh, uh, you know, understand that. It's not going to just keep on going Indy's way, I don't think. Um, Tampa Bay, they've got some uh, some issues that are affecting their lineup. I think uh, we're seeing some 11s. It's not going to go up. Uh, it's going to probably just sit there, maybe inch down. Philadelphia is around 10. Uh, there's no way of telling without seeing what, Phil, what happens in uh, the Philadelphia uh, game. Uh, you know, if they do really well, maybe it goes up. If they lay an egg, uh, that line will certainly be under 10. Houston and the Chargers. Chargers have big COVID news. It's off the board in a lot of places. Uh, it's nine and a half if you can find it. And uh, it uh, I don't think there's any hurry to do anything without the COVID news. Uh, Atlanta is sick some places. Uh, Goff is uh, questionable because of COVID. Uh, he's the new superstar after last week. Uh, he says he's feeling fine. So that line's going to sit like the house by the side of the road uh, until we find out what's going on with Goff. Uh, Cincinnati is two and a half. That is going to be dependent on Jackson and more all the more COVID news. It's the never-ending news. Uh, I think they've got seven players on that list again. Uh, the uh, Rams, they're three. It's going to depend on how they do tonight, and uh, they make sure they come out unscathed. Uh, that line looks okay, though, if it comes back and all things the same. I don't think you'll see anything major. The Jets, two and a half. Uh, you know, that might bungee three, quite frankly. Uh, between those two bad teams, but uh, there's not going to be any one-way action on Jacksonville, that's for sure. Uh, Buffalo has uh, lost Beasley to COVID, and if uh, any more players get COVID, that's going to affect the New England line, which is sitting at two and a half. Uh, that might do a bungee effect also and touch three and bounce back, um, but it could inch down. It's some, it seems like another good line. Seattle hasn't played yet uh, this week. If, if they do really bad, uh, uh, it's six and a half right now. If you can find it, then it, the line will come down. Uh, but it, it shouldn't be volatile. Kansas City is at seven and a half to nine and a half, but that's going to be off the board for days, I think. Uh, they've decimated with COVID. So uh, that's just in limbo land. Las Vegas, uh, Denver, nobody cares. It's sitting at one, one and a half. I'm not sure anybody's going to care enough to move that line significantly. And Dallas is a 10 and a half, 11. If Washington comes out like barn burners, that line might tighten up because they'll be getting healthier. If they look horrible, then it might go up. Uh, and uh, New Orleans sitting at three. It's inching up a little bit. It might see three and a half or... Uh, strong threes, but uh, nothing significant should move that line, I don't think. That should do yeah. it. 
Yes, and Scott, as we turn to you for injury news, I noticed uh, more games on that full screen graphic we just saw off the board than on the board. So certainly injuries and COVID as big of a part of the news cycle as ever. What are you keeping a particularly close eye on over these next few days? Yeah, from, from an injury standpoint, and we just left all COVID off of this um, just because, you know, COVID is just, uh, it's with every, ironically, the, probably two of the worst teams in the league the Jaguars and Jets are probably the healthiest from a COVID standpoint, but uh, uh, they got other issues, obviously, with their team. So from an injury standpoint, uh, Nelson Aguilar, he got hurt last week, uh, receiver for the Patriots, concussion. So he'll be in concussion protocol. We'll have to watch that. Uh, concussion's kind of running rampant here. Tight end uh, Pat Fryermuth for the Steelers also uh, will be in concussion protocol. Uh, Julio Jones got hurt, but we'll talk about him because he's in a Thursday game for Tennessee. Uh, uh, also, Sterling Shepard, Achilles out for the year uh, as wide receiver for the Giants. Broncos, another concussion. Quarterback, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. So we'll see what happens there. Buccaneers, uh, two receivers here. Godwin now out for the year with an ACL. Evans was a hamstring, so we'll have to monitor that. I left off running back Leonard Fournette because uh, I think he's going to be okay, but he also hurt his hamstring in that game, so just bears watching. The Ravens were already decimated in the secondary. They lost Taven Young in that game last week to the Packers. Again, another concussion. Just a ton of concussions here. Uh, for the Jaguars, safety Rayshon Jenkins was hurt. And uh, I think it was his ankle, but they put him on IR today. So he is basically done for the year. And left tackle Cam Robinson hurt his neck uh, in that game. So Bears watching. And for the Jets, uh, defensive tackle Quentin Williams, pretty good player for them. Uh, hurt his shoulder, so we'll have to watch there. And then, like I said, just uh, a whole mess with COVID. And, you know, we may talk more about COVID later, but the one good thing is the NFL made some changes regarding COVID uh, late last week. So guys can bounce back sooner than they could before if they're vaccinated. So we just got to watch these things. Guys that go on COVID today could be available Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so it just all bears watching and, uh, like Chris said earlier, it's just a very fluid moving every single day, every single hour of the day. So we'll just keep to watch on the COVID thing. And we'll obviously have a, a lot more updates on Thursday when we do the uh, next version of this show. Yeah. And in the meantime, we'll just keep our fingers crossed for a fairly quiet news cycle, especially as far as the COVID outbreaks are concerned for these games that we'll talk about the rest of today's show. And we'll kick that off with the Thursday nighter. San Francisco traveling to Tennessee, where the 49ers currently a three and a half point road favorite at BetUS, total 44 and a half. And Chris, in the line move forecast, you said the Niners price point might be approaching its ceiling. With that in mind, what are you looking for in this one? Well, it's a difficult ga game just because, uh, uh, you know, that Tennessee was a, a tough and painful loss uh, this past week. Uh, you know, they should have had that game and they just handed it back to Pittsburgh. Uh, generally, San Francisco is a team that I'm supporting, and usually I'm betting against Tennessee. Wish I had bet against them last week, but they they outplay Pittsburgh. So, again, I talk about being able to pivot, and I, I don't regret it because you look at the stats on that. I think they, they had double the yards that Pittsburgh did. I worry you have San Francisco, similar situation as Seattle, where they go off of off a good game, and they're expected to lay three three and a half. And this time they're looking at a short week. And it's a big disadvantage for the road team on a short week. So uh, 
I have metrically San Francisco's a, a probably going to be a good play. I don't get my numbers until after these games tonight, unfortunately. So I'm a, a day behind, but I'm guessing it would lean towards San Francisco and, uh, you know, Tennessee's not scoring anymore. They they just just stopped in their tracks. It's been uh, uh, the uh, the most amount of points are scoring 13, 20, 13, 13. You know, San Francisco when Kittle and uh, Debo are healthy, you aren't stopping these guys, and uh, uh, they can put some points on the board. So uh, I lean San Francisco, but I, at this point, I've got to just pass on this game. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things I'm interested to see is if the market makes any more of what I consider to be maybe the most misleading scoreboard result of Week 15, that Titans lost to the Steelers. Tennessee's defense holding Pittsburgh to just 3.7 yards per play. The Titans done in by going minus four in turnovers, and three of those turnovers were lost fumbles, so that's particularly random. I think the Niners might be due for some regression the other way. They benefited from a goal line stand on the opening drive of that game against the Falcons on Sunday. The Falcons ultimately 0 for 3 on fourth down, just 1 for 5 in the red zone compared to 4 for 5 in the red zone for the 49ers. But of course, if we see some negative regression coming for San Francisco, it would help if they were playing an opponent with some wider receivers capable of exploiting their weaknesses in the secondary. <laughs> and Scott, once again, it seems like we're just not sure what the Titans are going to be able to do to that end. Yeah, I mean, Julio Jones gets hurt last game. I, I think there's, a, especially with this being a Thursday, a uh, pretty good chance he doesn't play. Now, A.J. Brown, I believe they have activated uh, or will activate. Uh, I think he was at COVID, on COVID at one point. So, But I think there's a chance he comes back, so maybe he replaces Julio. But they're still hurting at the receiver position. Roger Saffold, who's had this injury that he has admittedly said just causes him to have to just sit out a couple plays, uh, every game. Um, he actually just missed last game. I was expecting him to play and, and they deactivated him. So I, he's, he's a right guard, pretty good player. So we'll see if he goes, I make this number 3.1 for San Francisco, make the total 42 basically where the numbers are. But I was looking back at San Francisco going back the last three years, which takes us back to 2019 when they lost in the Super Bowl um, to the chiefs. And it includes last year, of course. But at the beginning of last year, they were healthy. Then they got hurt uh, four or five games into the year. But San Francisco has been a road favorite. I'm just looking here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve times going back to the beginning of 2019. And only three of those games were they road favorites against playoff teams. Uh, earlier this year, uh, just a couple of weeks ago against San Francisco, they won that game by three. Um, I'm going to put Philly in there because I think uh, Philly has a chance to make the playoffs. Earlier this year, they win by six. And uh, a Sunday night last week of the season, 2019, they went to Seattle and won that game by five. So they haven't really traditionally been a road favorite against playoff teams. And I think Tennessee is a playoff team this year. Uh, to your guys' points, Tennessee is not doing much offensively. Um, but it just makes me wonder – are they being installed as a road favorite here? They've been very successful here lately. I've got them as my number four defense based on last week's uh, going into this last week's stats. So they're certainly playing well. The offense is number 12. And, and to Chris's point, that offense is probably even better when you only factor in when Kittle and Samuel are playing. Um, but I'm a little hesitant to lay anything with San Francisco in this game. I, and there's just a tick of value with Tennessee. And 
to Chris's point, when you're going on the road, especially non-division on Thursday, I think that's tougher. I'd lean Tennessee, and if this thing started to trickle back up, which it probably won't to Chris's point, I, I would maybe get involved with Tennessee. I just got to be confident they can do something offensively, and A.J. Brown has to be. They got to have one of those receivers if I'm ever going to think about getting involved in their games as well. Yeah, you guys have both mentioned San Francisco on the road, and not just that, but traveling most of the way across the country on a short week, so that might magnify that factor. But, Scott, I wanted to see what you made of the fact that the Titans certainly looking like a playoff team this year, but it's debatable whether they're even an average team in their current form. So how does that factor into the trend that you cited? Yeah, I think that's a valid point. And I've gone, I went against Tennessee last week. I've gone against Tennessee uh, quite a bit. Uh, so I was kind of interested to just see where my numbers would come here, if they would actually support Tennessee or not. And like I said, I mean, they're basically at three. So, you know, this game's pretty close to the line here. Uh, but, you know, and, and Tennessee hasn't really done that well at home. I, But I question San Francisco, and I could be dead wrong in this for the remaining three weeks here. I just always question San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Garoppolo on the road, having to win by margin. I'm just not convinced of that. This team is very good, though, and this defense is playing very well. Uh, they've got a couple of great players in offense, as Chris mentioned. Um, it's You have to respect that for sure. And But my numbers are, you know, kind of putting them where they're at. So, Yeah, well, it's not just Tuesday and Thursday night football this week. We've also got a Saturday doubleheader on Christmas Day. So let's get to it. Cleveland in the first game, heading to Green Bay, currently off the board at BetUS, but somewhat widely available uh, across the marketplace with some Green Bay minus sevens, total 44 and a half. And Chris, assuming this line reopens at BetUS in that range side in total, what are you looking for when the Browns take on the Packers on Christmas Day? Well, you know, we've been talking about it all year and, and, and Cleveland just has been so average all year long. Uh, and... Uh, it isn't going to change. It, uh, Mayfield, you know, he causes them so many problems. He's just not good. I, and the team as a whole isn't what they were supposed to be when they came in. And uh, they, they just, they, they're not scoring points. Uh, and there's they just never had the chance to get on track. And meanwhile, you're looking at, once again, for like the third year in a row, Green Bay running away with the ATS numbers. They're always undervalued in the betting markets, it seems, because they're I, I believe they're 12 and three against the spread or somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, 11 and four. I wish they could have simply covered a teaser leg last week, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> yes, they have been good overall this season for sure. But uh, yeah, getting it home, um, with them just, you know, taking care of business and, uh, and, and, you know, I'm just asking them to win, just asking them to win. And I'm and I'm putting them in uh, with the Rams, uh, just asking those two teams to win at home. And uh, you back, you know, you're backing playoff bound teams that uh, are reasonably healthy and just, you know, have some experience in, in, in winning and have shown the, and demonstrated they can win and, um, Cleveland hasn't been able to do that. I mean, uh, it'd be, you know, quite surprising for them to go in and Green Bay and, and win over there. Yeah, I'm with you on this teaser. Going to go back to the well on the Packers after a, a late week teaser came uh, just short at the last minute against Baltimore this past week. Still feeling good about Green Bay. Again, simply asking them to win outright at this point. 
for the Browns, Chris, you said they're not that good. Uh, in addition to that, this is going to be their second game in six days after their Saturday game from Week 15 got pushed into Monday. So that compresses things for them. And that short turnaround might especially loom large defensively for them. Miles Garrett with a groin injury. So if he goes, probably not going to be at 100%. And we know Aaron Rodgers on the other side has been nursing an injury of his own for a while. But he's looking about as good as ever. So if he can just keep up anywhere near his current level of play, feeling pretty good about the Packers offense. This teaser overall, I look at as a numbers grab, crossing down through the three with two clearly superior teams at home. Again, asking them to do a little more than win outright. So give me the Rams minus one paired with the Packers minus one in a teaser. Scott, what are you looking for at Lambeau Field on Christmas Day from your Green Bay Packers? Yeah, um, well, first of all, I'm Anything I say here is going to make these assumptions, which obviously could change, but we're going to assume Baker Mayfield comes back. We're going to assume Jarvis Landy comes back. We're going to assume Clowney comes back. We'll assume Garrett plays and he's somewhat capable. We'll assume Kenny Clark comes back from COVID. Now, Packers just put Marcus Val Valdez-Scantling on, on COVID uh, list today. So we'll see. I, this is a pretty quick turnaround. He, he may miss this game at receiver. So just know that. Um, for me, I mean, the Packers are they're, they're playing incredibly well. They, to Chris's point, they, they know how to win games. Rodgers knows how to win games. This, this team is coached well. They have allowed 28 or more in each of the last four games, though. So, But can Cleveland get, in, get it going? Who, who knows, right? This, this offense in Cleveland is just a mess. I will say this, though. I'm just kind of looking at this as, um, as we were talking. I, I went over on Green Bay – Team total points two weeks ago on Sunday night against Chicago. Last week, uh, you know, this number moved on Sunday, but I went over the team total of 24 and a half points on a Saturday um, for the game against Ravens, which is just unbelievably low against a decimated Raven defense. That thing shot up to about 27 and a half, I think, on Sunday. And I'm just looking here, their team total points with this total at 44, what's it going to come in at? 26 and a half? 26 and a half to 19 gets you. Geez, I don't know, 26 to 19 gets you 45. The total sitting 44 and a half, 45. If they're under 27 for team total points again, uh, I would take Green Bay over the team total points again. They are going to score points. This is just what they do. They're going to score points. They're going to get to 27 points in this game. I, I don't see how they don't do that. Uh, e even if Cleveland's defense is playing respectable, Cleveland's still a mess. Baker Mayfield's a mess. They will do some things that probably give Green Bay some short fields as well. Um, so just looking at this right now, it's early. Um, but if that team total points is under 27, I, I would play green Bay over the team total points. It's, it's between 27 and 27 and a half for green Bay for team total points. Yeah. Are, are you seeing it right now? Yes. I'm just shocked <laughs> at that because they're a, because they're a seven point favorite. Now maybe it gets juiced under or something, mm -hmm. right? Cause they've set that because 27, 20, is 47 points and total for this game is obviously a lot less. So it's going to get juiced lower. You know, it's, it's another good point, Chris, where are you looking at that? Well, I, we, I won't ask you that, but yeah. <laughs> um, my point being that you get some of these, some of these uh, books give you a team total points much later in the week. And it's then more relevant potentially to what the current line is. Whereas if the, the books that set that team total early on, a lot of times they won't move the team total points. They'll just juice the heck out of it if that total is moving three points, right? So um, it kind of pays to have books that do team total points both at early and late in the week. 
because you can get different numbers from that. So it, look, if it's 27 or more, maybe not so much, but if it's under 27 somewhere, when it pops somewhere else, um, I would play it over. Well, to that point, Scott, if we're looking at like a 26 and a half minus 115 or minus 120, and maybe some 27s even money or a short plus payout, does that creep back into the equation where, yes, the number's not as favorable, but once you account for the VIG, there could still be an edge there? Yeah, absolutely. A 27 even's fine, I think. Uh, or obviously 26 and a half minus 120, I think, is fine. Um, I, I would do either of those, yes. Got it. Well, plenty to look out for in the next few days. And maybe if we have more of a market presence on that number on our Thursday show, we, uh, we may see Scott locking that in as an official play for the Week 16 card. But for now, we will move on to the nightcap on Christmas, that being the Colts at the Cardinals. This game all the way down to pick em after the Cardinals were a quite substantial favorite on look-ahead lines. Total in this one, 49.5. And, and Chris, we've seen a lot of steam on Indy come in, but it might not be enough quite yet in your book. Well, you know, this is a game of storylines, quite frankly. Uh, um, the, the line opened higher. It seemed one-way action on, air, on uh, Indianapolis so far. You've got Indianapolis coming off... Uh, you know, a stellar win. I mean, they held on for dear life uh, uh, in a way, uh, but, you know, they kind of expose, ex, you know, expose some of the things that they don't do perfectly also in that game by allowing New England to get back into that game. And uh, meanwhile, you're looking at Arizona, who you couldn't possibly look worse. I mean, you know, they went in and played the Jared Goffs, and got schooled, and uh, it, 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 it was something. And uh, one of the things you always want to remember is, you, you know, you're never as bad as your worst game, and you're never as good as your best game. And this is the meeting of two of those issues right now, uh, where you just sit there, and it's, it's like with the San Francisco-Tennessee. San Francisco's a far better team than Tennessee, but you do, you don't want to lay three and a half. I mean, you, you just look at it, you go, eh, I don't, it's not for me. And that's what you see in a game like this, where you get all this one-way action on the Colts and they're looking like world beaters. And the, the little guy in Arizona um, couldn't even keep them within, you know, 17 in Detroit. So, and that's two weeks in a row where they've been exposed and Arizona, they're doing the exact same thing they did last year. They've, they've lost one, two, three, four. Uh, it doesn't go back far enough, but they've lost more games than they've won recently since their, their incredible start. So you've got a team that's trending down, that looked horrible, facing a team that is a world beater. There may be possibly a top three or four team in the NFL uh, coming in there, and that top three, four team in the NFL doesn't have to lay any points. Well, that doesn't pass the, sn the sniff test of logic, does it? So, but simply put, the metrics on this is just too far out. I, I, I have to take the Colts. I, I'm already invested in them from earlier in the week uh, with teasers plus uh, seven and a half and eight and plus one and a half. And now that it's pick, we've lost a little bit of value. But if you don't have a wager on it, you can't tease it up because you're not going through three and seven. Your only choice is uh, pretty much to bet the pick. And to me, it still has value. When you talked about anticipated line moves, I think one of the takeaways for this game was you thought, if anything, the market could start to come back in on Arizona at this point. 
So if somebody hasn't bet the game yet and you do endorse the Colts at Pick'em, do you recommend still waiting to see if maybe they can get a, uh, a better number in the game? Or um, what's your MO for somebody not involved yet knowing where you see this line potentially moving? If, if uh, I would, I would if, like if I wanted Indianapolis, I probably would play him now just to be safe. Um, I think it's possible that Atlanta, or Arizona doesn't get the buyback. I'm just saying it's possible that they get a buyback. Uh, overreaction, and it might get a little bit because people overbuy, knowing that a line's going to go to a certain point, and they want to play middles, and then at some point they buy back. So, but uh, at this point, uh, you don't play any games with it. I would just bet Indianapolis and not worry about losing uh, uh, a one, you know, or one and a half, because those numbers are, you know, believe it or not, nearly dead. Yeah, well, thank you for that explanation. As uh, people watching might have seen almost a strobe light effect on my view. One of my lights went out. I think it's back in and good to go now. So uh, we'll see how, how this goes over the rest of the show. Um, I think that, uh, Chris, with with regard to this game, I, I hear you on the Colts. I'm going to go ahead and sit it out for now, though. I think the Cardinals might be this year's team that peaked too soon. And we're really seeing that when it comes to Kyler Murray, you know, coming back to the lineup. But now three weeks in a row, I think a pretty stark difference between being on the field and being on the field at full strength. Something just doesn't seem quite right. So um, definitely not eager to back Arizona here. But at the same time, with the amount of market movement we've seen, I feel like the ship may have sailed on any value for the Colts. So nothing for me at Pick'em on this one. I do think it's interesting uh, some of the discourse going on about Brandon Staley relative to Frank Reich. Last week, the Chargers two for five on fourth down, so it seems like the narrative is Staley is reckless. Colts three for three on fourth down, and so Reich is brilliant. Um, I think largely they were following a very similar process, and at the end of the day, in one game, the results may vary widely, but in the long run, that kind of approach will get these teams you know, to a similar spot. And then, of course, you factor for the, the talent and other coaching moves. But as far as fourth downs go, the Colts certainly on the positive end of three fourth down attempts last Saturday night in their win over the Patriots. Scott, what are you looking for in this nightcap on Christmas between the Colts and Cardinals? Hey, I just want to hit on that point, too, um, about going for it on fourth down. Like, I didn't hear any criticism or even say, hey, Frank Wright's a genius, right? It just, it just kind of went away. Nobody talked about it, at least from what I saw, right, which – Again, it's just amazing. If he doesn't get it, uh, if he goes over three, maybe people are talking about it. But I think the thing, the other thing that's often forgotten in this is if the overall percentage, and I'm just making up a number here, is 50% that teams make it on fourth and one or whatever, some are making it 60%. So that means some are making it 40%. And collectively, we end up at 50%. There are some teams that are just much better at this than others. Would you expect the Jets to be able to make it on fourth and one? Probably not, right, because they suck, and they're probably not going to make it very often. So I think you also have to consider who the team is, who the coach is, who the personnel is. You know, are, are they equipped to do this as well? So that gets lost in the conversation as well, I think, from time to time. And and I would say, you know, yeah, the Chargers didn't make it, but I think Staley's equipped to do that. Uh, Frank Wright certainly is equipped to do that as well. So just two cents on that. Um for this game, my numbers kind of come where they are, where the, right where the line is, basically. So nothing for me. I was looking back, though. I First of all, what Arizona is doing again this year, they did last year. Last year, we said, hey, you know, Kyler Murray is, is banged up. He's hurt. You know, I don't know if he's hurt or not. Um, 
this just seems to be a trend for this team. And I don't know if the league catches on to them. I've also kind of noticed that I know they went into the Rams and beat them earlier this year, but it just seems when Murray's involved in a big game against a big team, maybe another quarterback that's big time, you know, put Wentz wherever you want in, in that conversation. He doesn't quite produce as much as you'd probably like to see him produce in that regard as well. So it just worries me relying on him to come through in a big game. And as Chris said, they're on a downturn. They're not on an uptrend. So that worries me. Some decent situations for me in Arizona in this game, but uh, it's a little hard to pull the trigger. And I don't, I'm not seeing value from a line perspective. The one thing I did notice just looking back, going back to last year, I've said this before, I think Indianapolis is a very similar team with Wentz and um, uh, uh uh, Rivers. Uh, yeah, Rivers, thank you, from last year. You know, the quarterbacks are kind of similar. Um, and obviously the Arizona team is kind of somewhat what they were uh, last year as well. Indy, when they've gone on the road as either a road favorite of three or less or a road dog of three or less in a very competitive matchup, they're five and one to the over. They're scoring points and they're giving up some points in those games. Similarly, uh, Arizona last year and this year, they are three and oh to the over is either a home dog of three or less or a home favorite of three or less, again, against a team that they're not in, uh, superior to, they're not completely inferior to. So they're able to score points, but they're giving up points as well. You know, making the total 49.9, let's call it 50. So it's basically where the total is. Uh, and in today's NFL right now, it's kind of a high total of what we've seen, but perfect conditions inside. Um, again, there's no value for me to take the over, but – in these situations for both these teams and these profiles, they seem to have scored points recently. And, you know, maybe something will get me to the over between now and Thursday. But um, I just noticed that and I would probably look over than under. Uh, in You know, in it, it just seems like uh, after that New England game where they had to really bear down that somehow the Colts will be a little bit more careless this week. And, uh, um, you know, I worry about Murray not having Hopkins. I think that that's one of the things that's really important. When you miss your go-to receiver, that hurts. But, yeah, I, I, I see what you see where that game can just get out of hand for some reason. One of those – remember how that, that Minnesota game, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you just pair two teams together that are, are yeah. willing to shoot it out. And uh, that ha- it seems like that's the type of game that has a potential to do for – do something like that. But, you know – I couldn't believe this, and this says something's wrong with this team. Arizona's down 24 to three. It's very late third quarter, and they have fourth down at uh, somewhere on the 14 or 10 yard line, and they kick a field goal. Are they? Yeah. I mean, what are they thinking? Yeah. I mean, so th- there's something wrong there. He's, he, you know, uh, Cliff was completely out coached against the Rams. And when uh, Campbell outcoaches you and Goff beats you uh, with a complete, you know, pickup squad at this point, they have nobody in Detroit, nobody. And there's something very, very wrong here. And they were coming off a loss to be focused, right? Exactly. Um, You know, I had the under in that game, so I'm like, thank you for kicking the field goal. But I completely did not understand that uh, at all. You know, and to your point from a matchup, and again, I'm using last week's numbers because I won't update them like you until after tonight's games. But Indy, number five rush offense, Arizona, number 25 rush defense. So Indy should be able to move the ball, you would think, on the ground. They move it against most teams. Arizona, again, this is for debate without Hopkins as well. But number four pass offense against Indy, number 25 pass defense. Um, and now some of that for Indy is they've had injuries in the secondary and whatnot that, that are a little bit better now than they were. But both these teams... 
may match up for what they like to do in offense against their opposing defense. And it could help to have some success, success as well. Hopkins wasn't having a great year, but he's still a body out there that you have to respect and defend to. And sometimes that can just open it up for, for everybody else. And I didn't point out in the injuries, Rondell Moore got a little banged up. Again, he's not primary receiver form, but he's a body. And you start losing bodies, and all of a sudden you start losing weapons on your offense, and things can go downhill pretty quickly uh, without a few bodies. So just, just note that as well. I think we'll put a pin in it for there for week 16. We'll get to the rest of the board on our Thursday show. And before we wrap things up today, a couple questions from the live chat, guys. First one, uh, I'll toss to either of you with a thought here. Uh, the question notes, interesting point about Green Bay being undervalued by the market. Any other teams or trends like that? Well, for me, Green Bay for three freaking years has been undervalued. Uh, the, 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 the metrics for Green Bay are just strange. And I don't really know how to explain it, but I've spoke. Other people that are running metrics say the exact same thing. And, and it's just something that they're doing. Now, in the past, New England was a, a burr in my butt. Because their their metrics always undervalued them too, so I had a losing record against uh, New England, and so it's it's shocking that I'm eight and one in New England games this year. Uh, I always thought before this year, I chalked it up to like really good coaching that they're just doing all these little things. They they allow their weakness when they can, you know, if that makes any sense, and they bear down when they have to. And, and I have a funny feeling that that's a little bit of that on, on teams that are undervalued and overvalued, that somehow they bend but don't break, so to speak. Uh, they bungee their performances. Uh, and uh, that's my only explanation for it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, when you look at success rates here, like Green Bay, uh, I was just trying to find them here. First of all, on defense, they're number 30 in rush defense success rate not very good obviously basically middle of the pack pass defense but they're not giving up points you know and um you know obviously that's at the end of the day that's that's what counts the most giving up points and the question is always like is the dam gonna break here on them or not and they're and they I, I guess i shouldn't say they're not giving up points i just said a little while ago they've given up what 27 or 28 or more in four different games but their special teams are horrible as well. And that was, you know, a lot of what Chicago did with special teams and a few, you know, breakaway pass plays and whatnot. But they know how to win. And they 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 win. They make the right decisions. And look at their offensive line. They, they're down four of five starters. They're down really two all-pro left tackle and left guards, basically. Rodgers doesn't miss a beat. And, you know, we've said this multiple times. A good quarterback can make uh, a bad offensive line be pretty pretty decent pretty quickly, right? And you just can't undervalue that. The highest I have Green Bay rated is ninth. I have them ninth defensively and and 14th offensively. I mean, yeah. how, and they're the number one seed. They're going to get the number one seed in the NFC unless Tampa yeah. Bay runs the table and Green Bay loses two games. So right. that's amazing. It really is. Well, nothing has come out of left field at us so far this season, so we can take it to the bank that the Packers have that one seed locked up at this stage with three games right. to go. Um, in all seriousness, uh, when I think of this question, there aren't necessarily teams you know, uh, from a season-long standpoint that I look to dig into deeply on. Chris, you talk a lot about pivoting from week to week. 
And right now, I'm starting to move in the direction of looking to maybe get back in play supporting the Titans uh, if the number and time is right. Not betting them this week. We already talked about that game. But I think about the arc of a season. I mean, they get smoked by the Cardinals at home in week one. And then they start to run unsustainably hot as regression hits them. Seemingly, their whole offense gets injured. And we saw last week, you know, now I think they're running almost unsustainably cold with some of their turnover luck and other factors that tend to move toward the norm over the course of a season. So the Titans, a team that maybe I'd look to get in play on. And conversely, I look at teams like Kansas City and Dallas with just really hot defenses right now. I mean, Kansas City, until last week, Chris, I think we talked about it, they hadn't allowed more than 17 points for probably a month or more. And I know the Chargers put up 28, but I felt like that easily could have been in the 40s if they don't suffer a couple of drops and, and small things on high leverage downs. So I think that their defense, while it's playing much better than it was to start the season, now it might actually be getting too much credit. So looking for the pendulum to and kind of maybe settle in somewhere in the middle. And a team like Dallas, I mean, their defense, especially with those three guys, Gregory Parsons and Lawrence up front, their pass rush can do a lot more than what those season-long numbers might indicate. But they've also gotten four turnovers in three straight games. That's not sustainable, no matter how you want to slice it. So not saying I'm automatically going to be playing against the Cowboys and Chiefs moving forward and on the Titans, but I try to think of factors that don't really bubble up in the mainstream sports media verse uh, that could be pretty meaningful, even if it means you're pivoting on and off of teams over the course of a season. Does that make sense to you guys? Well, you have to look at all of that stuff. And, and, and you know what? It, it, I can't narrow it down to because it's the whole body of work and 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 the inf there, there's so many different factors that kind of come together so to speak sometimes without you even realizing it you know what's really unusual about when you're using metrics and you're following the data closely is you can see a team win the game and they actually kind of look okay and then you know tuesday morning you look at you know your new database and they fell. And that's actually what really works best and allows you to pivot faster. You know, so, you know, we, we've been on one team uh, one, one week and we bet against that team the following week. And, and that happens because there's a bunch of other aspects with these teams that are, even though a team may be winning or even may, a team may be losing, they're going the opposite direction in, in a lot of different ways that aren't obvious. And, and that's why it's important if you can have a model that uh, reads in and puts all this stuff together. Because just looking at the big glamour stats and uh, just uh, you know a couple of stats here and there, like the EPAs and the, and the yards per play and stuff, that's not going to cut it, okay? There's, there's, there's nobody you know, kicking butt, picking games that only use the, that uses that data. It's a, it's a whole giant soup of information. Yeah, yeah I, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I've always said, like, if you feel like you can wake up on Sunday morning, Wednesday morning, whatever, and look at the paper and then decide who's going to win, it's not that easy, right? And, the, and there's a whole lot. And I'm, I'm always just trying to find, like, underlying data that's just not on the surface that kind of gives you some insight to how a team performs uh, in certain situations. You could argue Detroit's been undervalued the whole year. I mean, given what they've done against the spread. And just, you know, the other way I would look at that too, and, you know, we, we can maybe talk about that another time, but 
you know, the question was what teams are undervalued. Flip it around too. What teams are overvalued? I mean, Seattle, you are Seattle, Chris. You were going against Seattle for a while there, probably because they were probably a little bit overvalued from you know how they were really playing and, and really capable of playing. So uh, I would encourage you look at the other way too. Obviously, just find teams that are being overvalued to go against as well as teams that are being undervalued. You know, and and, and this Detroit Atlanta game is going to be the perfect example. We're going to talk about on Friday. We're going to come back to this issue. Or yeah, Thursday. Well, it, yeah. Or Thursday. Thursday in the case of this week. Yeah, we'll have another programming reminder coming up in a few minutes. One more question from the live chat, guys. It says, I've learned all about teasers and money line parlays from you pros, but is there a place or strategy for the three-team sweethearts? They're First no off, good. is... Oh, so you mean like a three-team teaser or... Yeah, I was saying, I don't know if I'm just missing slang about Sweetheart being a bet type or if this is asking about three-team teasers and Moneyline parlays. I well, think three-team so, teasers are, so you know, t- or Sweethearts are 10-point teasers. Uh, okay. But you're, you're usually laying like 130 juice, which is hard to overcome. And you're going to more or less pick specific circumstances where you, the only time that they ever come in handy is when you have basically three 10-point favorites, give or take, uh, because otherwise you're, you're either going over zero or you're not getting key numbers. Uh, and then sometimes if you punch in the the money line parlay, you're going to get a better price anyway. So, uh, but I would prefer to kind of gravitate toward doing, you know, three team teasers of six points and getting plus 170 or plus 180, that's where your better value is going to be. Yeah, I think to that last point, uh, I think it can be really important to shop around some books on a three or four team six point teaser. You know, on three teams, you might see as good as plus 180. A lot of places might be plus 150. On a four teamer, you might see plus 250. You might get plus 300. And when the gaps get that big, you know, a four team six point teaser, if you're crossing through three and seven, at plus 300, that's often a great bet. At plus 250, you're kind of stretching it. It's almost like laying minus 130 on a two-teamer. So shopping around book to book, those prices can vary quite a bit. So that would be my primary response to a question like this. Scott, any thoughts on uh, any possible place or strategy for a three-team sweetheart bets? Well, I would, you know, to, to Chris's point on the, the parlay, the one nice thing about the internet, you can go out and, and put in money lines and calculate a three-team money line versus what that three-team sweetheart you know, 10-point teaser is going to do. Very, very easy for that to see which one's going to be more profitable for you. So I would encourage you that. To know if like a 10-point teaser, you know, down to basically a pick em, you know, you have to have a little bit more data to be able to do that. And you could probably Google it and find out what the numbers are. You know, we I can go run that too and find out. So that one's a little bit more difficult. But always comparing if the money line or the teaser is a better bet, uh, there's plenty of parlay calculators out there on the internet that you can do that in a heartbeat and, and know which which way is going to be better for you to, uh, to do it. Yeah, and on the note of looking for the most possible betting value we can extract from the board, let's pull up a quick recap of our bets, bet, best bets as of our Tuesday recording. Uh, I said so smoothly there. All three of us on Washington plus 10, kicking off in a little more than half an hour against the Eagles. Chris and I also teasing the Rams down to minus one, paired with the Packers minus one. And Chris also involved in that nightcap on Christmas, taking the Colts at Pickham. Chris, before we get out of here, I know there's a one more topic you wanted to touch on. 
Um, I had something in mind to make it a bigger conversation, but we can save my piece for another day. Just wanted to hand you the floor as it comes to a possible COVID opt-out strategy down the home stretch this season. Yeah, you know, I, I guess uh, the COVID, the official COVID opt-out is expired. Uh, but, you know, now that we're getting to the end of this season, you, you really have to wonder what kind of effort you're going to, you know, get from uh, the players, you know. And are, are they going to, you know, use the, oh, I tested positive for COVID excuse or, you know, why do they want to beat themselves up, uh, you know, at the, you know for the last couple of games when, you know, what are they going to get? What's Is the juice worth the, the squeeze? Uh, so, you know, kind of what we see at the end of basketball or, or hockey season. So just be aware we're, we're at that time now where you got to kind of pay attention to the motivations and, uh, um, and, and it might be, it's easier for some teams to just put people on the, uh, the DL or IR unexpectedly and, and, and put some young kid in there instead. When you talk about paying attention to motivation, is there anything that you've picked up on that can give you an edge on the betting market? I think we know if a team is in a letdown spot or a short week or back-to-back road games, like those are factors that seem to be priced in pretty well. But is there anything from a motivation standpoint that you think you can pick up on that might not be accurately priced in since some numbers we'll see over the next few weeks? Well, I'm, I'm sure Scott will agree. <laughs> the the, the must-win is really the must-lose. So it's the old slogan, <laughs> must-win, must-lose. If, if you're in must-win situations, you got yourself in that reason. You got yourself in that situation for a reason. And everybody already knows that you're in a must-win position, so you're getting extra value to go against that situation. So uh, we're going to see some instances pop up, uh, especially in the final two weeks uh, with the must-win, must-lose theory. Yeah, Scott, it looked like you were ready to jump in as well. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. Uh, if a team was so good that they could win whenever they want to, it wouldn't be 6-7 and seven right now or 7-8, and eight, you know, in, in a couple of weeks, right? So now this team that maybe, you know, uh, properly priced was lane seven is now lane nine and a half because they need to win. Like there's nothing different there that's happened, right? Uh, and, unless that dog has just kind of quit completely. Um, but, you know, they're, they're trying to spoil people's lives as well and feel better about it. So to your point, Chris, you're laying an extra one, two, three points, maybe more, especially yeah. that last week of the season. And nothing has changed with that situation. It's not like the quarterback all of a sudden is out. So now the line has moved four points. It's moved simply because a team who's really crappy or average, I should say, uh, now has to win. And so now they're laying four or more. That's not worth it. And so um, it's always best just to remember that. And whether you want to play, um, you know, that dog or not, which is probably the uh, it's not an easy play necessarily, but it's it's the value play. Um, you just keep that in mind. Yeah, Chris, I like that juxtaposition, must win, must lose, reminds me of the saying, if you must win, then you must not be very good. So something <laughs> worth keeping in mind over the final few weeks of the season, for sure. I think that's going to wrap up our early look at the Week 16 card. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And for those of you with us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel on your way out the door. Friendly reminder, we will be back at a special time to break down the rest of the weekend board. That'll be Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. So enjoy a couple more Week 15 games in the meantime, and we will see you then right back here at BetUS, where the game begins.